Well, greetings to the world. I am still Cam, and this is still the real, 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 real Resilience Talk podcast. Sitting here today with an awesome guest. He's going to fill us in on a lot of things. Uh, we got Jay. Say hello, Jay. Hey, what's up? Jay, say what's up to everybody. Hey, um, this is going to be, as I've said before, a real conversation, an honest conversation on the subject of resilience and wherever else we may go with it. As I've said before, you may hear some good words. I hope you hear some good words, but there is a chance, everybody, you might hear some bad words or what you might assume to be bad words because we're speaking honestly and candidly on these subjects that need to be spoken about more, in my opinion, and need to be speaking more about, spoken more about in a candid way, in a real way. And that's why we call this the Real Resilience Talk Podcast. Again, sometimes we have veterans on here on the show, and sometimes we have civilians, and sometimes we have just any anybody from anywhere in the world because everyone's opinion matters, right? But in saying that, especially the veterans, none of us are speaking on behalf of any member of the Department of Defense. We're not speaking on any type of organization. We're speaking from ourselves as individuals, as humans on this very important topic. So please understand that and take that into consideration while you are listening. All right. And um, yeah, hope you uh, enjoy what we got to talk about. But as I always say to me, resilience is simply um, Sam Cooke said it in the song, keep moving on. And then also Stallone and like Rocky 77 or whatever it was said, hey, Ain't about how hard you hit, it's about how you can get hit and keep moving forward. That to me is resilience, but there's many other f opinions on that and there's many other takes on that. But today, y'all not heard enough from me. Let's hear from Jay and see what Jay says about definition of resilience. I really, I like the, I like Rocky and that quote for sure. Um, I think that vibes a lot with my own definition of resilience, um, taken from like, the Google Dictionary, um, the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness. Um, it gives a second definition, the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape, elasticity. So for me, resilience is about uh, re withstanding difficulty and continuing on. It's more about never stopping rather than like bouncing back it's keep moving keep going don't stop don't stop that's resilience to me i like it i like it i like it i like it and you know i, I did i saw that definition too the uh, uh i can't say the word i'm gonna mess it all up elasticity yeah so like kind of like you you stretch something and then it can come back to its original form um I like that definition, but I, I like I like better your take on it that you just keep going, like you just keep going no matter what is coming at you. You keep going. There's one quote I always always try to find, I guess refuge or solace in, um, but Epictetus, an ancient slave, he had said that what ought one to say as each hardship comes? I was practicing for this. I was training for this, and that for me has helped a whole lot because when these times come. Um, it shows us who we are. It shows us who we're not. And, and we get to learn more about ourselves or figure out we need to learn more about ourselves. And that to me is like a day by day, moment by moment thing. Um, and you only learn it and, or realize it, I think, fully in those moments of friction, in those moments of challenge, 
to which we all go through. And the other part about it is too, I've said this before, we are all as unique as our fingerprints. Um, technology, we have the QR codes now, and that's, those are great, but nature kind of already gave us a QR code at the end of our fingertips. You know what I mean? It's individualized, and that's about how individualized we are as humans. And for most things, we're, we're kind of the same one. We have the same basic needs, but everyone is affected in a positive and a negative way in different ways based on who they are. So what might cause me friction may not cause you friction, and what causes you friction may stress somebody else out but to me i'm just like oh whatever or that one thing that stresses me out like totally you're like ah that's just a monday to me because we're all different and we're all coming from different walks of life and i think we need to realize that appreciate that but not look down on anybody for the differences in that but just take into take into consideration that everybody's coming from a different place so um how they apply their resilience or what makes them have to show more resilience may be different for everybody. So that's just a little tidbit. And uh, my podcast was in a podcast. So no, but uh, so what say you about that, Jay, as far as the things that um, what helps you stay resilient? What, and what are some of the things that challenge you that may, may be different or unique? Yeah. Um, so one of the other definitions are like I watched the like a video and they were saying that the psychological definition is to remain calm in a stressful and distressing situation which I think pretty well defines how I try to stay resilient is when something stressful happens um, I try I usually get um, like emotional I'll start to I'll feel like the panic or the um, tears or the like um what do i do what do i do what do i do sort of feeling yeah come in and i have to tell myself calm down don't like i have to de detach and like step back and it's like all right calm down it's not the end of the world and i try to like remain calm and like you know, take deep breaths and focus on the actions I need to take rather than like the emotions I'm feeling. So that's like in the moment resilience for me is trying not to get emotional, I guess. Yeah, no. I mean, we're emotional creatures. We were talking about the other day. Um, we had a uh, Benjamin on here. I know you've probably seen him before, but great, great dude. But he has said that uh, he's talking about just how complicated we are as humans. And it made me think about um, there was a, a stand up special about three years ago now? Well, it was a really good one, but Brian Callen, a comedian, he had a, his whole special has been complicated apes. Because that's what we are. We're just like complicated apes, human beings. And we're emotional creatures, and, and sometimes our emotions get the best of us. So for you to do what we also talked about the other day was to take a step back and to zoom out. Um, <laughs> people are going to tie me talking about this, but is that meme or that picture of the galaxy and has the whole Milky Way depicted. It has one little arrow pointing to where about Earth is. And it just says on there, there's you crying in the shower before work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like that that zooming out is, is, sometimes we have to zoom in and focus on the next thing. And, and you know, it's that bit by bit. And I think we fluctuate and go in between the two often. But that zooming out, taking that step back, like what'd you say? You said, it's not the end of the world. That can really make a difference. Um, because I think uh, a lot of times when we make the biggest mistakes, it's more times than not from those moments where you think it is the end of the world. Or, oh no, what do I do? What do I do next? What do I do next? Like, what's some, um, what, is, what are some times or, or things that you've been able to experience that have, I, I wanna say, make you proud of yourself or make you realize you do have a high level of resilience? 
or maybe moments that you didn't, if you don't mind me asking? I think my, like, um, one of, like, the, you know, memories I think back on um, is kind of, it's one of those memories where it's like, I know what's happening, I know what I'm going to do now, I know what I have to do now. It's like, um, when I was in college, um, this is like, just barely after high school, I was doing some like, sort of online classes, and that has like, a couple days where you come in to the classroom. Okay. And I had messed up those dates with <laughs> another <laughs> online class. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. I'm sorry. It's funny. Yeah. So, like, you were, like, showing up and nobody was there. And yep. then you were, like, online, like, I'm ready, y'all. And everybody else was there. Sort of. <laughs> I went to, like, the wrong – I went on the wrong day. It was, like, after – it was, like, the day later or something. And so I showed up, and no one was, like, there. And I looked at, like, the email and the dates. Like, oh, yeah, I messed that up. I went to – I was supposed to go to a different class this day or that day or something. But it was like the final day of the like semester and Oh I snap. So you like kinda it was kinda I really messed there. up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I've done this exact same shit, no lie. I've done this exact same shit on those hybrid courses with yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that moment like I realized I you know, you start kinda panicking, it's like, Oh no, I have like finals and stuff homework and shit that I missed and now I have to like I was kind of freaking out and I just got in my car to drive home and driving home I'm like getting all emotional and worried and like stressed out but I just remember telling myself like calm down you can't you can't freak out about this right now you have to keep going you have to figure out what to do to fix this you'll send an email and you'll be able to like do your project just like a video or something it should be okay just figure it out talk to the teacher and everything will work out i couldn't i wouldn't let myself feel in that moment right 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 no that's good that's that's good uh and that's that article we read the other day i, I read it off um when we had the listeners was that sometimes when we're going through these these stressful situations. It could be what happened right there where it's like, oh shit, I just messed up. Or it could be one of those situations where you lose somebody or you lose your job or somebody at your job tells you something you really don't want to hear and it hurts or don't know, right? These things that affect us, that hurt us. What you said was go numb and, and look past the feeling of right there at that moment. But I also like that you, you didn't say, you did you take anything to make yourself feel more numb? I don't yeah. like the idea of pills or anything. It's I, I don't know why necessarily. It's just kind of an internal sort of idea, I guess, that I was either raised with or born with. Yeah. But no, that's good because sometimes we like we're put in these stressful situations to grow, right, and to go through things and to become more resilient, if you will. And when people are so tempted, and I did it for years to just numb themselves with a substance, you never really go through it because you're you're not you. You're 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 not your brain and your your heart and all those things aren't able to go through the situation, to grow through it, to feel it, to cry, to whatever it is. 
it's now synthetically taken over by, there's a lot of people that in this situation were like, oh shit, where's happy hour? You know what I mean? Or I need to go get high or something to that effect. And for anyone who's on prescribed medication and they, you know, for anxiety and stuff like that, I'm not saying in those type of things. You have been obviously, re you know, recognized as somebody who needs something and I'm one of them too, so I'm not judging anybody. I'm on all of it, right? But sometimes when it comes to like, let's say recreational substances, you know, drugs, alcohol, and things like that. People will escape, even something as, as an act, gambling, whatever it may be, they want to escape whatever stress they're going in, and they never really are able to endure it. So, like, I guess the point I'm trying to make is there's, you know, J. Cole said in the song Love Yours, there's beauty in the struggle, and there's beauty in what you were able to do in that situation and go, okay, okay, it's going to be good. I need to numb myself in the sense to where I don't let this deeply impact me, but you're still feeling things, right? And... Um, a lot of times we make that mistake and people do it for years and years and years when it comes to the substance thing and you never really grow real resilience as an individual. So good on you for that. Um, I see you pulled out an awesome book by one of my favorite artists. That's a really good book right there. Uh, what, what you got there, my friend? I got Never Broken by Jewel, um, Jewel Kilcher. Oh yeah, Jewel. But um, what you're just saying just made me think of something um, in the book she talks about is like you don't outrun pain yes um, she grew up like going to like a lot of like bar scenes and watching people that would come and like drink or do drugs or something they would do all this to um, push their pain down to suppress it to yeah. um, run away from it but doing that only gave them like more problems and yep. more more pain and so she says like you don't outrun pain the only way is to um, walk through it and heal you have to still um, feel the pain to figure out like the problem and to overcome it rather than just pushing it down and running away from it and watching that pile of pain get bigger and bigger and bigger until it's it just swallows you. Yeah, no. I said it oftentimes on here that it's okay not to be okay. I love how you look. Y'all can't see it because we're on audio, but in her in this book that Jay has, it's all marked up. She's got underlines and and you can see where she's written stuff. That's that's how I do it too. If you see my books, it's like I don't even want to like if like let's borrow a book. I don't want to borrow this book. You've written a, a book within a book because that's how I kind of remember stuff. So it just but it shows like you're able to retain stuff and highlight the things that are important to you. But I'm done with a highlighter sometimes too, because like you give me a highlight and be like, highlight, I highlight everything. <laughs> yeah. But no, I could see right there, like you that you said you don't outrun pain, you had that boxed off. That's really cool. So anybody out there reading there is like, how do I read? Like that really does help when you do that. And you can go back and you can see what were the particular parts. And some people are listening, like, yeah, man, no shit. But hey, I didn't notice till I was like in my thirties, so I'm sharing it just for anybody else out there who may not know, because we don't know what we don't know. But to Jules' point and to the point that Jay's saying and, and what I'm trying to stress here is that it's okay not to be okay, but we have to learn how to cope. And we never really get over it, whatever that pain is. And there's no expiration on pain. There's no expiration on guilt, remorse, shame, trauma, mourning. There's no real timetable. There's like an average of, I guess, what some people would do, but that doesn't mean that's what it's for you. And, and I know if anybody's been in those traumatic experiences, you can relive them, right? But you also have to relive them with a sober mind, not enhanced or affected by substances in order for you to still learn how to cope. 
but at the same time, like the book said, the problems just get bigger. So just think about that, that like, yes, in the short term, you numb yourself, you can't feel this particular pain, but you also don't get the gain from the pain. And just to be really cliche, I'm gonna say no pain, no gain. But there's, like J. Cole said in the Love Yours, there's beauty in the struggle and there's ugliness in the success, but there's beauty in the struggle in the sense of how it's making you grow. Um, what, do, what do you say about that as far as that, that take on it? That I'm not saying, mm -hmm. You have to be in a concentration camp or be like Nelson Mandela and be locked up or somebody who's tortured or hurt. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's necessary, but is there any value in that, in your opinion? Yeah, yes, I think resilience only comes through, it really only comes through a negative experience from something bad, something stressful, something difficult. You can't really be resilient I mean, like, you, I guess you can be resilient if you're just taking a easy day, a walk, or chilling. It's like, all right, I'm just going through this very simple, easy task. But resilience really comes through the stress and the storm, um, through, like, failures and um, going through, like, darkness. Yeah, so true. It's, it's funny, too, because, you know, I was listening to, I think it was Jocko or, or maybe David Goggins. I listen to a lot of these things because I try to pay it forward for myself. So that way, when those moments do come and I say what all I want to say, oh, yeah, that's right. I was practicing for this moment. I was training for this moment. So it's kind of like filling my tank before the, the fuel needs to get expended of life because life's going to take that fuel for sure, right? But he said there's no sweatless solution. There's no sweatless solution. And then there was another guy, Andy Frisella, he said, like, look back on your life and the things that you are, uh, you feel accomplished for or the things you look back on with not pride in a negative sense, but you're, you're, you're happy with what you did and how you accomplished it. Uh, most and all of them things were not easy things, whatever they may be. Like, it takes some hard work. It takes some strength. Even in exercise, your muscles fail. That's how they grow. That's how you push, you know, you push yourself to your peak. So... There is that beauty in the struggle and there's growth and, and we all know what PTSD stands for. I could say it right now, the listeners in their cars or wherever they're listening can go, yep, that's post-traumatic stress disorder. So it's a disorder. But there's also something that people don't always realize and there's something called PTSG. That's what a G, and you can look this up. And there's a lot of literature out there, maybe just as much as there is on the D, but I think we're negatively biased and we seek comfort. So we don't want the stress, we don't want the pain and then we don't get the gain. And at the same time, we'll look at the negative, which is the word disorder, right? But the PTSG is post-traumatic stress growth. And that's a real thing, and it's very well documented that after somebody can go through a traumatic experience, yes, there may be some affects of it that affects them negatively, and they may need to you know, seek counseling. There's nothing wrong with those things, but they also grow in an exponential way having been through that experience. Um, that doesn't mean we s seek these experiences, we hope for these experiences or traumatic things, but there's a lot of people that come close to death or they lose somebody close to them or a life-changing traumatic experience happens and it changes them for the positive and there is a growth there. Um, and I think that, you know, but if you're high during that, if you're drunk during that, you there may not be no growth through that. And I can just say as far as like I lost my brother, a few years ago and when he had passed away the whole like three weeks after it I stayed so drunk like day drunk night drunk whatever drunk and then I wasn't able to drink because I had to go back to work and like be a functioning human and it all hit me like it just happened because I didn't let any of it process so it's kind of like that you what did Jules say you can't run away from the pain it's just sitting there waiting for you in the cut 
to, to get you. And it's probably going to hurt worse now because your ability to have coped has now been hindered because you never really coped. You just were drunk or high during the thing. So like what I'm saying there is don't seek the comfort and the peace of I don't want to feel anything right this moment in, in a substance type of way because you hinder your own ability to grow, right? Like astronauts when they go to fucking space, you ever seen them come back from their little capsule? They can't even walk. They have to be helped off. You just went to space for a year and like, ma'am, sir, you can't even walk like a human being? Nah, because they had no gravity. They had no friction on their body in that way to where now they've lost their ability to walk as a grown adult and they did not have the ability before, right? So it's kind of necessary to a degree. I'm not saying it has to be traumatic, but there is growth in that. And then day by day, literally, I'm not a doctor, but you have small minor fractions, fractures in your bones while you're walking around and that's what keeps them strong is by doing those things. So I just spit off a lot of stuff. What's your opinion on some of those things or anything else you wanna talk about on this subject? I like that idea. I never thought about how astronauts wouldn't necessarily be able to walk because yeah, they, they haven't been. But that's, that's just going to be a fun picture in my mind for yeah, future reference. I'm not saying every single time, and I think they have some, now they have some type of exercise resistance stuff they can do up there. Mm -hmm. But for the long telltale sign or the, or the long history of it is they get off and people are helping them because they, they're like chicken legs because they all the, it's kind of like when you're in a cast. And you look at that one body part that was in a cast compared to the other side, and it's like, whoa, what happened to that leg? It literally, hey, if you don't use it, you lose it. You know, right. So body in motion stays in motion, but that friction, that day-to-day -day pain of just walking, something that is not even bothersome to us. But you tell that to a baby or to somebody who is just coming out of recovery from a surgery or to that astronaut, walking's pretty goddamn hard. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So. But something you said about, one thing you said about um, growth, taking an experience and making it better you instead of letting it destroy you is, a, I like to think in different ways, I guess, or mm -hmm. in kind of opposite ways than most people. So a lot of people like to talk about like keeping a positive mindset and um, stay positive, be happy and sunshine and rainbows. But for me, I, tend to lean towards the darkness and towards the negatives and um, I like I don't I like to watch the sad parts of movies mm. those are like my favorite parts mm -hmm. not the like happy ending right right but that's for me that's because I don't want to be afraid of the darkness Ooh, that's a good one. I want to be comfortable in it mm -hmm. I want to know I can handle myself in situations that are difficult so to do that, I have to be comfortable in um, these situations. I have to get used to it. And so I'll spend a lot of time thinking about um, darkness, I guess. Mm -hmm. Just not good things, I suppose. It's people's perspectives. Some people see um, a skull and think of like death. I see like a skull and think, wow, look at that it's beautiful in this situation um but everybody goes through tough times and if you're used to that you can get through those tough times easier um taking them and making you stronger so that's anti-fragile anti-fragility anti-fragility wow that's so good i like that a lot i like that okay. yeah going through some Instead of just bouncing back and 
um, staying as you are, it's getting hit by something and becoming stronger. Um, so that's kind of what I want to do is I want to go through life and just get stronger. That's kind of why I think resilience is about keep moving forward and keep pushing through. It's like, um, I imagine like a storm or just walls and you keep trying to push through, punch through the next wall, the next storm. Um, and you have to keep going forward. If you stop, you're going to get pushed back. Um, and you might stop completely, which is um, not good. <laughs> no, hell no, it's not good. But I, I like that you said that you, you kind of embrace the sad parts. Because I, I do too. I, like, I'm not saying I, I particularly like them. Like you see it coming, you're like, oh, the happy part of the movie's over or whatever. But like those are the moments that where you see light and you see what we're made of. And you don't wish for the pain, but you shouldn't be caught off guard because it's guaranteed, it's coming. It's kind of like an in, in ancient Latin phrase is memento mori. And this has been <clears throat> kind of revitalized in, in culture through the you know learnings of stoicism and some of Ryan Holiday's books and things. And But memento mori is nothing new. It is literally Latin for you will die. You will die, remember you will die, right? And, and the reason why the ancients focused on that so much because it was such a fear of death. But they also, in a lot, lot of stuff, and now it's kind of taken on a different, I guess, social uh, definition or, or norm, like skulls and stuff like that. But skulls and stuff and, and things of that nature and skeletons were a big part of art in the ancient world because they knew it was coming. And you can look at that as if, oh my God, I'm gonna die, nothing matters, which is not the right way to look at it, by the way, like, because everything does matter. Um, Things do matter. You matter for sure. Uh, some people feel like they don't matter, but you do. But what they were doing and having that constant reminder there was to then live life because you don't know when that skeleton's coming to get you. Not like Grim Reaper type thing, but like we're all going to die. It's the one thing we're all guaranteed. Arguably, and I've thought about this sometimes, this sounds weird, and you said you look at things differently, but sometimes those diagnosed with a terminal illness may be the fortunate ones because at least they know. And there's, you know, sometimes there's there's peace in knowing, right? Because we all have a terminal illness. We can sit here and feel sorry for the person who's been diagnosed for, you know, they won't live for another year. And, and you know, I wish them all the strength in the world and not downplaying their experience. But you're over there saying that. And you could walk outside and just have a heart attack. You could walk outside and just get hit by whatever. Or, you know, Kim Jong-un could get, you know, frisky and we could be a crater, et cetera, right? And that's just, that's just the way life is. But it also, to me draws that, 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 that contrary and that comparison to say, well, okay, I know that's coming, so that to me gives me a, a more reason to live now because this might be it. This might be it. And if it is, did you want to live it being in fear of the darkness? So I, I like how you say embracing the darkness. And does in doing that, does it make you appreciate the light a little bit more? Or how does, what is that, how does that relationship have? Because that's what it does for me. It makes me appreciate the... the the little mundane things a little bit more like we get to have these things because uh, somebody didn't wake up today or somebody that is in that darkness forever and ever and ever they're not experiencing the things we're experiencing they there's arguably some people that are dead um and i've thought about this with my brother and some other people i've lost like with running or we go and we do that weekly castle run like uh, i had a mentor of mine he said he has a brother that's special needs and he said i run because he can't and i think about that with the people I recently lost somebody that was close to me. 
And I remember that whole few weeks afterwards. And, you know, we, we moved forward or whatever like that. So it's not fresh in my brain as it was when I first lost this individual. But a great man stood in this room one time talking to us. A uh, great man. And he, he actually uh, he died. And it, and it wasn't fair the way he died. And it wasn't right. But when I was running, I remember, like, thinking, like, I'm going to run because he can't. Not, like, rubbing it in. But, like, now we let these people live through us. But that in that darkness is kind of like some light and some appreciation for what may be shitty is your life, but at least you have a life, right? What do you, what do you say about all that? I say gratitude is a really good thing. Uh, it's good being, like, humbled by the darkness or by um, seeing other people's situations and understanding that your situation may not be that bad and finding the good in things definitely support that. I know I have a really difficult time doing that, and um, I know I am have a lot of like cognitive dissonance in my mind where things, I think one thing, and then also the opposite, so things um, kind of don't fit together sometimes. Um, so I know gratitude and humility and seeing the good are all good things, but I tend to just uh, sit in the darkness and feel the bad things and embrace that, um, embrace the idea that I'll never be happy and that I always have to, that I just have to keep going on with feeling like it's the end of the world even though I know it's not. So for me, I tend to just enjoy the sadness in a way is accept it and embrace it and not let myself feel get too much joy otherwise it'll be like a harder fall when I stop feeling that oh so you just kind of never let yourself get too high on the on the moment and be like yeah everything's awesome because it's Christmas and I love Christmas and I love Alps and Santa I just hurt a lot of people's ears, by the way. Um, I just hurt my own self with that, but sorry. Not sorry. Um, shout out to Demi Lovato. Cool line. Uh, sorry, not sorry, but so <laughs> in, in embracing it in the sense that, like, are you, are you saying, look, I don't want to get too happy right now because I know some shit's coming. Yeah. So um, when you think about it, it's like the more, like, joy you feel, the more, like, pain you're, you might you'll feel later. It's like everything kind of mirrors itself at a baseline. So I try to keep my baseline, uh, I try to, to stay as close to my baseline as I can, not getting too um, like depressed, but not getting too joyful either. That makes sense, that makes sense. I, it, might, it reminds me of some of this, um, as an athlete, and I'm always, I, I, this probably, I'll probably lose some listeners here, but I like Alabama football, and I always love Jalen Hurts. And now he plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. But one thing I've always noticed about him is he is never too high or too low. Like, he kind of maintains that same, just hit, like you said, baseline, right? Some people will say the word stoic, but that is the lowercase definition of stoic, as in but stoic is people that practice stoicism and, and stoics have feelings and all that kind of stuff, so they're not like a mannequin walking around. But are you describing like being just emotionless and being like a mannequin walking around? Is that what you're saying? That's what I used to do um, all growing up. Like that time with like the college and missing the class is that's just 
the way I grew up, um, my I would just turn off all my emotions and numb everything because right now I have to fix the problem. I'll heal all that stuff later, and I just never felt it later until maybe like something really bad happened that finally made me like break and like okay everything's overflowing kind of drain some of the bottle of suppressed emotions and then I can keep suppressing again um so that's what I used to do is just suppress everything and until I finally got up some of the courage to let myself feel and start trying to figure out emotions and that was pretty stressful and difficult and emotions are very difficult things that I still don't really enjoy but it is beneficial um that's you have to feel the pain to feel the joy I wasn't feeling the pain so I wasn't feeling joy and so you have to feel the emotions and let them in that's also how you connect with people and so once I started letting myself feel emotions, I started connecting on a deeper level with people mm-hmm. and actually started feeling love and excitement and passion, um, all these good things. So I like being emotionless. It's easier, but I can't necessarily recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and, and I, I said that to be rhetorical because I wanted to hear your take on it in that way because it's I've been there before where I've put up my guard and I've been like, I'm not letting nobody in because I don't want to be vulnerable and I'm just going to be numb to what I feel around me. And I, and I accomplished a lot of that through substances, but I was in a dark place like because if you don't feel, you know, it's kind of like going outside because it may rain. Like, well, you're also not going to get the sunlight and you need vitamin D. And you also need to get fresh air. So if you just stay inside, like you're not really gonna experience life. And it was really hindering my ability. And I was just, I was just perishing. All my skills, my, my I was just perishing. I wasn't able to be me, right? So I, I like that you are not afraid of the darkness. You're not afraid of the pain because that is a lot of the reason why some people don't experience life or the joys of life. But we can't take that approach because, as you said, it wasn't fruitful for you, was it? Like to take that approach of just being a mannequin? Only in the sense that I could be, I could keep going and nothing would hurt me, but nothing would really, I mean, like, it would still hurt, but nothing mattered to me. Nothing. But on both sides of the pendulum, like good and bad. Yeah. So the good wouldn't even have a steep effect, like, because you weren't able to really experience it, right? Right. And that's what I'm saying, like, you don't get the full experience of life. And with the life comes that whole yin and yang. Like, the, you got both sides of the sphere, and it's, I think it's a very good thing that you understand or you embrace the good and the bad. And because that is life, and we got to be willing to take the hits. And I love how you were like, it's not rainbows, whatever. Because in, in that Rocky part, he says, hey, what are those sunshine and rainbows? Right? And it's so true. It's not. And everyone's, I just want to be happy. Like, I want to let everybody know, like, there's no such thing. There's there's contentment, there's peace, there's embracing the good and the bad, and there are more joyous moments than others. But to be like, I just want to be happy all the time, that's some bullshit. <laughs> what do you think about that? I think it's a mask. I think they're putting on a face for other people, and behind that smile is a lot of darkness. Yeah. And 
lot of um, aversion, maybe. They're yeah. not, they're either trying to hide the pain that they're feeling for everybody else, or they're hiding it from themselves. Ooh, that's great. Man, that's real. I've done that before. I've done that before. I've definitely been guilty of the whole hiding it from yourself. Um, that's real. That's real. And I think a lot of us are doing that. And I remember um, I took a, a, when I was in college, I took a theater class one time. And I always was like, I've always been drawn to the arts. I love it. That's how actually how we met was through open mic night. Um, Jay will come out and she will, she'll, she does her own stuff sometimes. And then there's been times where she's like, got like the interstellar melody and playing in the back and has literally like had everybody just in awe. And she'll read quotes that have helped her remain resilient. And uh, it's really a powerful thing. But like I said, always drawn like the arts. Maybe I'm just a wannabe artist. I don't even know, right? I'm just a person trying to figure it out. But one of the things that the guy said, the instructor, he was like, you know, we're all actors. He's like, you've already been acting. Everybody's been acting here. And I'm like, I've never been in a production. Uh, you know what I mean? But he was saying, no, we know how to act when we go to church. We know how to act when we go to work. We know how to act when you come to school. Like, we are all actors in this this big play of life. And it, to what you said, and now talking about the acting part, um, I can't remember if it was Seneca or if it was Epictetus. It probably was Seneca because he was a playwright. But he said that we're all actors in this 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 production, basically. And sometimes you're given a short part. And sometimes you're given a long part, but you play your part as best you can. Um, but I do agree with you that, you know, the hiding behind the tears of a clown. Um, yeah, I mean, you just never know what somebody else is going through. But we see this facade that everybody puts on. They put it on their face for the day. And so you're saying, like, overly bubbly, overly whatever. You, you think there's some pain behind there? I mean, sometimes. I, there are people that right, are right, just right. positive, but I know... Um, at least my experience, like going through high school, there's so many people that you don't know what they're going through because yeah. they're always just smiling, they're chill, they're having a good time. Mm -hmm. um, everybody acts in a way that benefits them. Ooh. And most people will act normal so that people don't either, um, uh, so that most people people don't get involved. They try to keep different parts of their world separate maybe yeah. or they'll I mean this is just from like personal experience, people watching really. Right, people watching. <laughs> that's a fun that's a fun thing to do. So, but people like to act in a way that benefits them and for some people that's being more alone, I guess, or okay. keeping their problems to themselves, so they'll put on that smiling face to um, make people not worry, I guess. For me, that's, I don't like making people worry about me, so um, I would try to keep things baseline, like, yeah. don't worry, nothing's going wrong, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I think a lot of us, a lot of us do that, and then a lot of us do that, and I love that what you said about the ones who, like that's what they're doing to negate the emotions or showing it or saying, because you don't want to be a burden to others. You don't want to make other people worry about you. But you also said something earlier about suppressing and suppressing the emotions. I think this is a good take for anybody listening to Jay's outlook on things. She's not negative. I've been around her a lot. She's not a negative person. But what she's expressing and what I'm taking, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the negative is going to come. 
So don't be so caught off guard about it because everything's not all sunshine and rainbows every day. Maybe embrace some of the negative more because it does it draw on more of the positive and make the positive feel better for you when you do that. And I'm reiterating it, and we might have said this already, but I think it's very valuable in what you're saying that what I took from it is embrace the struggles, embrace the negatives. Don't be so caught off guard by them. One, they won't catch you so off guard or affect you as deeply in a negative way, but at the same time, when the joy does come, you're able to experience that with an appreciation. Is that, am I, am I picking that up the right way? I think it's supposed to. Yeah. Like, how it's supposed to work is that um, you embrace uh, the negative and understand it, and then when the joys come, you can appreciate it a lot more. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of more of a normal reaction or sim an, a reaction you should train yourself for. Um, for me, it's more like I embrace the negative, and then when the joys come, it's like, oh, look, pretty flower along the side of the road. Hey, that's true. That's true. So it kind of, the, the good times just become um, happy memories, um, but I never get overly, um, I don't get, I don't feel like I get more appreciation for them. Okay. I just kind of stay in my little dark world and <laughs> enjoy the pinpricks of stars. The pinpricks of stars. That's cool. That's cool. No, it's, it's good. And everybody has, that's why we're trying to talk to everybody on here. Like there's no, you might think that you're alone in this or unique in this, but I guarantee there's somebody out there listening to me like, I take that exact same approach to life. And if it works, it works, right? If it right. works, it works and, and you can stay together. And, and But there are times where it gets to a point where we need help. Why do you think, and I just want to ask from your opinion and, and your time and the organization you've been in and just you've been, you've been to the, obviously the world of America and that thing called high school and you've been into college and now you're in a foreign land. Um, why do you think people don't seek help when they may need it? Because it's, it's no surprise that people aren't doing so well. But why is it then that people don't seek, you know, whether it's professional help or reaching out to a peer? What, what is, what's the drawback there? Why do, what do you think people don't do it for? I think there, and there's many reasons, but like sometimes people don't have someone they trust. They don't think there's anywhere they can go, even if they do think there's someone that they can go, they may not want to burden them. They may still think that they're doing okay. They haven't reached that point where they need to ask for help. They could be um, not wanting help, um, just at a subconscious level, I guess. And then there's, I mean, there's so many reasons sometimes like keep going, keep moving forward, don't stop, is something that kind of keeps me from also stopping and asking for help sometimes, is I get so busy and focused on uh, daily tasks and the next thing that I don't stop to think, um, maybe I should pause and think about what's going on here, maybe I need some help with this um, instead, I just think, all right, I got to go to this event. I got to do this. I got to do that. Um, get this task completed. And I never stop to uh, think about what's actually bothering me. Um, but people like to be capable. 
and if they ask for help, they sometimes feel that they are incapable, that they're being weak or selfish, maybe. And that's not true. I think, um, I think asking for help is good to get other people's perspectives. Even if they can't help you, they can give you that space that you can help yourself. Because for me, I believe that everybody's alone in their fight and that um, you can't, that in the end, you're the only one that can help yourself and do what you need to do um, in your life. It's all just you, but there are people around you that um, can be with you. And it's like, you're sitting in a dark hole. You can't, nobody can pull you out of it but other people can come down and sit with you and um, help you understand it so that you can crawl out yourself, mm. climb out and recover. So asking for help is, um, it, it's difficult, but necessary sometimes. Yes. And yes. sometimes you just have to pause and reflect and look around you you don't maybe you don't need to trust someone with being vulnerable but a little bit of just a little bit of openness of like hey i'm not doing so well right now can i get a hug i don't need to talk about it i don't want i don't you don't need necessarily need to tell somebody's like hey i don't trust you enough with all the deep dark emotional things going on inside of me but I just need a hug. So. Sometimes, sometimes that's all it that's that really is all it takes. I mean, hugs are wow. Hugs are really valued, and and they really do help. Unless somebody stinks or something, they got like bad armpits or something. It's like oh shit, now, now you're smelling onions, and it's it's not good. But there are those among us walking around that smell like omelets being prepared. So watch out for those, everybody. Don't hug those. But um, I'm kidding, of course. But I I so get what you're saying and. The one thing that I would not say I disagree with, but one thing to what I always like to say caveat or dovetail, let me dovetail off of, is I've talked to people in the past and I know myself in the past. I thought I had it all together until I didn't. And those emotional rash decisions got the most of me, right? And nobody knows us like us know us as individuals. And even that's a hard thing in itself, like just knowing yourself, right? So sometimes you don't even know, know yourself enough to seek self-improvement or whatever the principle may be, right? But I would argue that before it goes too far for anyone out there, if, if you've, the thought has come to you a few times, you get that kind of gut feeling like, I should probably seek some help. Hey, you know, I took a survey and it says, I probably need some help, man. Um, those are probably telltale signs you might need some help. And, and, I, and I stress that and emphasize it because, A, there's people to help you and want to help you, but we're not mind readers. Nobody's mind readers. We don't know what we don't know. And... Uh, we can't tell if we don't know you outright, and I'm hoping people around people can notice signs in somebody and just say, hey, I was actually listening yesterday, the chaplain of the Marine Corps was talking about sometimes that suicide prevention or sometimes that care is just pulling somebody aside and going for a cup of coffee and just listening. Like you said, sitting in the dark spot with them. Not giving any advice, not telling them, hey, this is what you should do and you should go. And sometimes it's just listening, and sometimes that can be all it needs or it could be that hug like you said right it may not be to the to the extent of needing professional accredited help or whatever but 
I tell everyone out there, no matter what situation you're in, if you have the access to those things, do it. Like, access them, seek to help, maybe take a survey, talk to a friend and be like, should I? Because I never thought about getting help until, well, I tried a few times and I felt like I got next it. Like, next, next. And I was like, ah, the system don't give a fuck, right? And then I saw signs of myself coming out on my children. I saw my son one day in the kitchen and he was just like, got all like tense. Like he was walk, like literally walking on eggshells and he was like, hey, are you mad at me? Did I do something? And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I just, it, I didn't like what I saw. And I realized that the way I was, was impacting negatively him. And he's a young man. He's a, he was an adolescent, right, at the time. And he's gotta feel like he's gotta people please or fawn or tiptoe around me because I'm fucked up, right? And I saw the effect that it had on him, but I also got really close to almost not being here before and I realized that, yeah, my pain may end, but it would have just began for all of them because I wasn't doing that. And I had a friend of mine say, hey, man, these are some of the things going on. Like, you need to try to go talk to somebody, for real, for real. And about the fourth time I tried in my whole, like, time of being an adult, it finally worked out. They put me with somebody. And um, I've told this story before, but I'll say it again for anybody who hasn't heard it. The analogy the person told me was that we run up to, we do this castle run here in Japan every week. Uh, we're about to do it tomorrow morning, actually. And we run up to the castle. And the, the guy who told me the analogy to get me open-minded to medication and to continue with therapy was, he said, look, man, let's say we both run up this. You win every week, right? But as you run and I run, you have a pack with rocks on your back. You may still win, but over time and in the moment, your, your, your journey up that hill is so much harder than mine. And you may still win, but when we think about the long-term effects that that can have on somebody, if we think about the long-term effects, because life isn't just like, oh, and then it was Christmas, and then it was graduation, and that might be what your fucking photo album says, but in, in all honesty, like it's, or your favorite album in your phone now, since we're modern, right? We don't have photo albums anymore. Technology has killed photo albums. Um, <laughs> but the trek of someone's life, you look at those brick by brick, moment by moment things, they weren't living at their best that they could be and the effect they had on others were not as good as it could be, right? And then let's think about that long-term effect. Let's just think in the, in the physical sense of if you have a pack on your back with rocks in it. Well, that leads to musculoskeletal issues. You'll probably lean a little bit. You'll probably mess up the curvature of your spine, the stress that it's putting on your joints. So you might not see it or feel it in that moment, but over time, the effect it has. So he said, why not try this medication out? And it'll be as if you take off the pack. You're still gonna have to go up the hill. You're still gonna be physically challenged. You're still gonna probably win and beat me up there but your journey is now more similar to the journey of others based on the way you're made up. And I was like, huh. And I was open-minded and I tried it. And then as the prescription started wearing off, I, I talked to my wife and I was like, hey, you think I should stay? She's like, yeah, you stay on that. <laughs> and, that and that's not to say, oh guys, everybody clap for me, clap for Cam, cause I'm on medication, right? I'm just saying that sometimes it, it, you might think you had it all together and I thought I did until I didn't. And suppressing those things or saying, oh, I got this, I got this, I got this. But one thing you said is you're so busy going on to the next task, the next task, the next task, the next task. You don't take that moment to sit and reflect and to really think, what is going on with me? And that's very important. I'm not saying you have to take on, you know, meditation or take on, you know, something that you're like, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm not trying to allude to that. But to take a moment to pause and to reflect on what is going on with you can maybe make the difference in not only your life, but the lives of others because of the you that you are. And you're able to assess and see what's going on. But 
we get busy. And for anybody who has, well, in our industry, we call it dedication and motivation. But being a workaholic is a real thing. <laughs> we call it attention to detail, but it, some people call it OCD, right? <laughs> you know, uh, but it's encouraged and it's and you're 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 um, you're rewarded for such things. But it can un be an undoing in itself um, over time. So my my point there is, don't be afraid to seek help. Um, don't think you always got it all together, but as you said, take that moment or just for someone else, be there for them. Like the chaplain said, go on a coffee, with, go on a walk, or just sit in the muck with them for a second and just listen. Um, what are some things that, that Jay does to be able to sit, reflect, or to unwind, or to have outlets for, for you? What are some things that, that work for you that could potentially, somebody else listening, like, I'm feeling Jay, I look at shit just the same way. So maybe they, could also potentially look at the positive, thing, like the outlets. What are some things that you do? How does some things that you take a break and kind of assess? For, because of like, um, I'm so used to like suppressing and numbing out. Um, my outlets are kind of like the sad parts of movies, like multi-fandoms on YouTube. People like do um, like a mashup of all different parts from like, movies like all a sad thing. movie mixtape yep <laughs> oh shit <laughs> <laughs> so for me i'll generally use that to like dive deeper into whatever is making me like feel bad or um whatever is like depressing me that in this time um i'll use those like sad things to make me feel so that i can um, stop suppressing and then face whatever it is that's bothering me but through that process I still have uh, I tend to catastrophize so when something happens I just I start making it into a bigger thing and thinking it's the end of the world so I have to also while I'm trying to let myself feel these emotions I have to keep reminding myself that it's not the end of the world. Uh, it's not the end of the world. Yes. It's okay. This isn't a, as big a deal as you're making it. It's um, it's going to be okay. Stop, um, stop catastrophizing. Because I have identified what my mind does, catastrophize, and by calling it what it is, I can see it clearer, and that helps me face it more. And so, to um, for outlets. I'll dive deeper into the emotion so that I can face it. And if it is a bigger problem that I recognize, like, I'm struggling with this, I don't think I can carry it on my own, or I don't think I can keep going right now. I have to um, turn to somebody else. And sometimes I don't want to talk about it. Sometimes I just need, like, somebody to come into the picture to get me back to reality, I guess. It's like just talking to my sister or like my best friend or um, if I can't do that, um, if both of them are like busy or something, you should, I mean like you should always have somebody that would drop everything to talk to you if you need it. Um, so that would be like my best friend and my sister and I know I can like call them or text them and they would like come to my rescue if I needed it 
So I suggest everybody have somebody they trust that they would do that, they can depend on. Um, but if that doesn't work, like if for some reason I'm like, I can't talk to them, journaling is a Ooh. good way to kind of release the emotions to write down what's going on and kind of put it into perspective. And that's, I guess, one of the other things. And then hobbies, things that bring you joy or um, help you relax, but different from escaping. Right, 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 right. So not another thing to distract you from what's going on, but something that helps you kind of um, trying to think of the right way to say it. Something that just helps you pause. Yeah. Not escape. Just pause. Take perspective. Take into like detach or reattach if that's what you need to do and just take the situation into full perspective and see what's going on while not um while feeling like you're in a safe space. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, I, I, the word that was coming to mind to me was like meaningful engagement, right? Like you're not suppressing or denying what you're going through. You're just putting, I mean, people do it with exercise, right? People do it with their art. You just express it with art, with journaling, right? There, and if you never tried it before, just, just give it a try. That's another thing in here that I wanna, I wanna help people, because uh, it hurt me for a long time, was seeking perfection. In, in so many things, but especially in the things that give you a release or give you something like, well, it didn't fix everything, so fuck it all together. Like, nah, man, like, did it make anything worse? No, well then try it, right? Just try it, try it a little longer, right? It may be your thing. And some of us, you know, listening, they may go, well, I don't I have a fucked up family. I don't have that relationship with my sister. And actually, I don't have any best friends because nobody fucking likes me. And I don't know nobody and fuck the world, right? That's literally some people's perspective. And I would just say, have a open mind. Um, I love that you brought it up because connection is so important. I'd say it all the time, the make good choices, Jenna Tang, MGC, but the other side of MGC is move, gratitude, and connect. Move, gratitude, and connect. Move by get your ass up and go do something. Walk, run, something. Doesn't matter what it is. I mean, we did a PT session yesterday that was literally we played dodgeball and played tag, and we, we, we played sharks and minnows. Like it didn't have to be some crazy hit session or CrossFit or you know we're going to run 12 miles and it didn't have to be all that. That's but my dad would say, do something productive. Something, right? Do some, do something, right? Do something, uh, and then the gratitude, expressing the things that may be good, right? Or at least drawing. And I'm not saying this in the wrong way, so don't hear me like somebody, he's a hypocrite because he always says comparison is deep of joy. Yeah, I got that, but I'm also saying draw contrast too. There's a contrast to be drawn from okay, and then connect. And that's sort of the, the pillars of total fitness too. Like this, you know, whether it's spiritual or social or mental or physical, like it's the table, like it has four legs. You can sometimes be hurting in one area and okay, your social's a little off, but those other three legs are still there. Um, but last time I checked, no table's gonna stand with one leg, unless it's like some crazy innovative design from Ikea that's gonna take forever to put together. So how about that, huh? But more times than not, you need those four legs. You might, you, you can get away with three legs, but you gotta keep yourself in check and check in those, and check in on yourself to assess and to go, what's going on with me? And some people are like, hey, and I'm, I thought this for a long time, I don't have any fucking hobbies. I don't know what my hobbies are. My hobbies were like just drinking and kicking it. 
Like that was my hobbies my entire like life from being a teenager till I was older, right? And there's some other things along the way. But if you don't know, I'm not saying this is gonna answer all of your things, but a, um, a friend of mine, she put me onto the Enneagram test and it's kind of like a personality assessment. There's also uh, the based off of the Meyer Briggs um, indicator. Uh, the mother and daughter made that thing, but it's 16personalities.com and I would, I would just express everyone to, to try to take a second to look into that because when you find out your personality type, now again, this is probably not a 100% solution, but you can get a good idea of who are you and how are you wired. But I'll say this, if you take that test, it's a free exam, 16personalities.com, I get no money from plugging them, I'm just saying it helps, right? Helps you understand yourself and sometimes that's the hardest thing is understanding what are these things for you? What more are you drawn to? And, and for a long time I just thought I was, well, I know my wife thought I was just stupid and crazy, right? And then she realized once we took these tests together in our 30s, oh, you just wired like that. And I was like, damn, you ain't crazy. You just wired like that. Like, we're just different, right? We're just different as humans. And that's okay to be different or whatever. But you're not alone in your differences because there's somebody out there just like you. But on the same note, you get to see what you're more drawn to. Um, it'll tell you certain hobbies, maybe occupations, because some of us don't know what we want to be when we grow up. That's okay, right? But it gives you an idea. And not 100%, but maybe like an 80, 85% of, okay, yeah, let me try this, let me try that. But at least, like, like we're saying, try something. Or like your pop said, do something productive. Because sitting around and just sitting in it, outside of the second to assess and to kind of reflect, then now you're dwelling. And now you're in a downward spiral. And that's no good for anybody. But I will say, if you take these tests, make sure you take it in a comfortable space. Don't take it at work. Don't take it in your uniform or when you're around your friends. Take it wherever you are just you. And that means something different for everybody. But I'll tell you, for example, for me, is when I'm at the house, I got no uniform on. I probably didn't shave that day. My hair is all jacked up. I'm probably walking around in like a basketball jersey and some basketball shorts because I like to wear like throwback jerseys around the house and feel like I'm cool. But, and I'm walking around probably, what do the kids call them now? Slides, uh, not my flops, right? And I'm just chilling. And I'm, I'm me at that moment in the sense that I'm not at work acting the way I'm supposed to work, act when I'm at work or acting the way I'm supposed to act when I go to the store or in, in public and do what, what is that fucking word they call it? I still ain't figured it out. Normal? I don't know what the fuck that means. Um, you know, but to get a better idea or sense of what are some of these things that you may be more drawn to, you just don't know what you don't know. Like somebody who's never played basketball, uh, Siakam from Toronto Raptors, didn't play. He wanted to be a priest his whole life and didn't play basketball until he was like in the 10th grade. And now he's in the NBA. So like how many other people just never picked up a basketball or never picked up a paintbrush or never picked up a guitar or never picked up a microphone or so on and so on and so on, these healthy things that could be meaningful engagements for them and to help them deal with their stress. But you have to put it somewhere. And I stress that because if you don't deal with your shit, ladies and gentlemen, if you do not deal with your shit, ladies and gentlemen, your shit will deal with you. And that's just a fact. It's going to eat you from the inside out, and those around you will suffer because you are getting ate from the inside out because you're not dealing with things. So you may feel like, oh, I can just suppress it or whatever like that, but that will take form and shape in your body and in your mind in ways that will totally hinder you from living your best self. And that's what it's all about, not being better than Jay, not being better than Cam, not being better than anybody else, but being the best version of you and how can you get there. And I'm just saying a tool, I'm just saying. Just, we're just trying to say what works for us and what may potentially work for you, but don't be so fucking close-minded. Open up your mind, don't seek perfection, don't filter things through, is this perfect, is this gonna fix everything? Probably not, motherfucker, it's just probably not. But will it make anything worse? 
No. Okay, then fuck it. I'll try it. That's more of the mindset. And I say it with so much enthusiasm because I was the other side of it. Like, fuck no, you don't know me. Okay, great for you, Jay. Me and my sister don't got a relationship like that. Um, but Dr. Myangelo told her son when he was having trouble having friends, she said, if you want to get a friend, be a friend. So maybe how are you outputting your energy to others? You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying walk around and just give free hugs. Make sure those hugs are well-deserved, okay? And you smell good, too, because um, that's rude. But at the same time, you can't expect to get friends if you're not being a friend. But that personality test will be just one way. And then, you know, life and writing. When you write, does it help you synthesize? For me, it helps me synthesize and kind of process what the fuck is going on. What kind of effect does it have for you when you do the journal intake? So as a kid growing up, it was something my parents always encouraged. Like, keep writing a journal. Always, you know, write for posterity or something your kids just write um what do you mean posterity like um forgive me i have no idea what that means this is a pretty word it's what, like the next this? generation okay so they can see we're what, what was jay going through during COVID 19 yeah. right okay as a kid though that was like suppressing it would i would write stuff about oh the sun was shining today i ate this i went to school i did my homework something like that but now like once i started like when, when i decided start feeling emotions i would record like write about what i was feeling and what the situation was so that i could kind of analyze it and see like what am i feeling why am i feeling and like what's going on um like how does it feel and what's the emotion so now i'm writing when i write it's more of a way to get what's inside my head out of my head so that I can see it clearer. And it also helps me so that I can like look back and um, see like patterns in my behavior. Um, so that's kind of more about what I write about is what I'm feeling and what's going on for to cause that feeling. When you write, do you write like on your phone or do you write like long hands? Like what do you, how do you do that? So I like to, I do it on my phone because I like always have my phone. But I got like the, um, the like Samsung Note, so it has like a little pen, that. Oh, so you can still write. So I can still use my handwriting and gotcha, write, gotcha. like, I would write because I think handwritten tells you a lot more about a person um, than just typing something out. Why? Because they're, they're the handwriting sloppy. You can tell <laughs> by their handwriting, the way they write. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes they'll misspell words or um, skips. They'll, they'll, like, write in the grammar of their mind, I suppose. Ooh, okay. Like in the way it flows in their head? Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. a little more loose. You don't have to worry about, like, the red underlines. Like, hey, you messed this up. Well, that's you had proper use of semicolon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's deep. I, I think there's value there, too, mm -hmm. with a long hand somehow of putting it from the brain filter there's something about the thumbs like we're the first humans ever to really use our thumbs to express ourselves <laughs> 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 but hey, hey it's all good it's like and then now with emojis and stuff i heard somebody argue that we're kind of like we're, we're bringing it back to hieroglyphics like because <laughs> we kind of are right yeah. with, with gifts and with uh gifts gifs or whatever we want to say i call it a gift because choosy moms choose gif and that's j-i-f Okay, and when you give somebody a present, they call it a gift. So I call it a gift. That's just my take on it. I don't know if anybody's got any uh, takes on this. We can disagree or we can fight over it. Let's do it. But <laughs> with the with the gifts and with the uh, with the emojis, someone was saying like we're like we're being like the ancients and being like hieroglyphics. But also we're using our thumbs. But 
I do see value. I've seen value for myself in writing things out longhand. And you want to hear how corny I was, how close-minded I was a while ago? If you watch these like documentaries and stuff like that, and one way they always caught people for evidence was that they would what? Journals. <laughs> Journals, right? So I was like, I ain't never leaving nothing. But then I realized like I'm not Al Capone, and I'm never going to be, and I don't even know why I was thinking like that. But that was one of the reasons why I was like, I ain't never leaving no evidence for nobody. Like, that was stupid, because you're also not leaving, what's that word, posterity, for anyone else to see where you were coming from, too. And trust me, we all know, if you lose somebody, trust me, you matter to somebody out there, right? When you lose somebody, I don't care if you got a voicemail, a text message, a, uh, a just a silly video or something like that, you will watch that thing or listen to that thing over and over to where people are like, what the fuck is wrong with you, right? Mm-hmm. But it brings you closer to those people or read their writings or things like that. So, hey, you could be giving a gift to somebody that does, doesn't even realize they're going to get a gift because you're not around anymore and they're able to relate and have that posterity to you. So maybe, like a lot of these things, it's not just for you, but it's for others as well and in the benefit of having you or that gift you left with them. So that's just something to think about on a positive way. Uh, you don't have to worry about like it being the CIA catching you or something because you're, you're, you're not, you know, you're not Jason Bourne or anything, so. Unless you're in, like, a communist country, like, North Oh, Korea. yeah, that could get weird. That could get weird. Uh, if, for all those who are listening who may be from those places, I hope things get better for you. But we have this First Amendment here in, in our way of life, and we protect it and defend it. So I would always argue let's try to use it. Um, as, you know, not to say anything divisive or things to just be shitty to people, um, hateful things. I, I don't, I'm not down with all of that. That shit is not it. But to be able to freely express ourselves. But I may disagree with what you say, but given our way of life, I might not like what you say or I'll disagree with it, but I will die. I will tell you this right now. I will die for your freedom to say it. And that, to me, is what it's all about, like as far as the, the First Amendment, how far it can go. I don't agree with all these some of these people that get out there and, you know, people protesting at veterans' funerals and stuff like that. I don't agree with that. But ah, as much as I can't stand it and I think it's disrespectful and I wish they'd have a change of heart, guess what? The same thing that gives them that right and freedom to do that is the same thing that gives us the right and freedom to do what we're doing right now and for us to do open mics and for me to listen to George Carlin and listen to whatever kind of music I want to listen to. So it's like, ah, you know. It, yeah, you want you want them to have the choice, but you wish they didn't make that choice. Yeah, like there should be some more judgment, maybe a little bit more empathy going into things. But I like that earlier you said that too, that when – you got to that, and I, and I probably cut you off because I'm an asshole, and I'm sorry. But you were talking about when you went closed off and you opened back up, you weren't only able to understand and help yourself, but you said something to the effect, what I took from it, correct me if I'm wrong, clean it up, but the empathy you were able to get for others and to understand like where they were feeling, like it, has it made you a better in, uh, interpersonal skills? Yes, I think... I mean, we never know what's going on inside somebody else. Hell no. But sometimes we don't even know what the hell's going on inside ourselves. Let's be real, y'all. Yeah. Okay, I don't. For know. sure. <laughs> but when you do start to understand some of the things going inside of you, you're able to more recognize some of the things going inside somebody else, going on inside of them. So, like, um, you can recognize um, other signs that people show that maybe you've expressed. Um, and you can empathize or sympathize with others better um, when you know you've experienced something similar. So I think by embracing my own darkness, I've been able to um, connect with other people when they're in like 
their own darkness. What about when they're in their feels? Okay, sorry, I just wanted to say. <laughs> See, she didn't even think it was funny because I've been trying to make my kids proud of me because I have teenagers and they're like, I just want to be like, in my feels. So mm-hmm. I used to some modern slang there, kids. Y'all proud of daddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I when they're in their feels, I guess when they're. I'll either it's it kind of goes based on the person, but sometimes it's like allowing them to vent, um, and being there and showing that hey, you can't push me away, or like what you say isn't going to. I'm not gonna run away. I'm gonna be dependable, and I'm gonna be here for you. Um, so being, I think, dependable is the, like, being dependable and trusted, like, trustworthy. It's like, hey, you can trust me, and I'll be here for you. Nothing you do or say is going to, um, make me leave. Um, Mm, So, like, the unconditional love. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Like, weather the storm with you. Like, you have resilience in your own relationship with said person. They can be themselves, and maybe they are a piece of shit at that moment, but you're still going to be there for them. Yeah. Like, a, like, for lack of a better expression, a safe space. Mm-hmm. We all need that. Like, I'm, I'm mocking it. I'm joking it in the, in the modern sense because uh, it sounds funny, but um, it's, it, we need that. Mm-hmm. Your safe space could be what I described earlier, just being in my living room, hanging out, and, and being in, in the attire that I'm in. That's my little safe space. So I think we all need that. It's necessary. It's, it's very, very much necessary. But I think I cut you off. Sorry. People are afraid of being vulnerable, I think. Hell yeah. And being open with others so but that's important to connect with others is being vulnerable and being open with others it's like hey this is who I actually am and putting yourself out there to be rejected or accepted to be hurt um, and it's scary and it's risky but that's kind of what we have to do to connect with other people on an actual deep level, not just like a superficial um, idea of like, oh, that person's cool, but I don't actually know who they are. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So if if by being, showing that I can be vulnerable and that I trust you, it sometimes helps the other person to also be vulnerable and shows like, hey, um, you've shown to be trustworthy. I'm going to trust you with something. And then you get that connection of and that deeper relationship of like trust and dependence. And well, not necessarily dependence because I don't think you should really be depended, dependent on something. You should be independent. But um, having somebody that you can depend on right, right, right. is of what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, like, to avoid, like, codependency, or I'll only feel happy if you're happy with me. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but I think if we're honest, though, whether it's on a hobby or our work or our children or our friends or our family or whatever, our faith, whatever it may be, I think we're all a little dependent at given what the scenario is. We're, like, dependent on something. And even when we go to work, you're probably dependent on the clock on when that's going to end that day or what you're dependent on your boss or your supervisor because they're going to give you tasks for the day. Like, I think there's a, there's obviously a healthy dose of dependency that we all have. Um, but I think, again, where it gets weird is or where it gets not so good is when it's to the point of, like, codependency. Yeah. And I'll only be happy if Jay's happy. 
that's probably not good. That's probably not good because if Jay wants to not be happy, then that's Jay's situation for today. That doesn't mean I'm going to have, you know. And on the flip side, too, some people be feeling good, but somebody says something negative about them, and now they're all in their feels because, oh, my God, Jay doesn't like me. Some people aren't going to like you, ma'am, gentlemen, folks out there listening. That's okay. And I like what they say in AA. Um, uh, one of the things I've heard that's been said there is that they say, other people's opinion of me is none of my business. And um, none of us are chasing like poll ratings or like some people are, right? And and But I think you're going to be trapped by that because you're living off of the, you can't find true happiness through the through the opinion of others. Like I think uh, Epictetus said it, that, that outside merit, outside of yourself, it's basically no good, right? It's basically no good. Like to, to the opinion you have on yourself has to be brought on by the opinion of others. But that's on the flip side too. And you said the uh, key word in there is trust. Let me tell you something that I find in our modern world, and uh, it's probably always been a problem, but I think we have more tools to be able to show it. Look, if somebody does open up to you personally, feel honored by that, feel uh, thankful for that because they do trust you, right? But guess what, folks? If they want someone else to know that same shit they told you, guess what they'll do? What do you think they'll do? They'll tell fucking tell them themselves, them. or they'll tell you to tell them, yeah. But we don't need, and what I'm getting at is I think gossip is such a poison, and gossip comes in many forms. Actually, the literal definition I, I, I want to say is that, I don't want to say, this is how I read it, it's talking about others when they're not around, period. Whether it's good or bad, right? So there's obviously there could be good things, you're praising somebody, but negatively or expressing someone's trusted statements to you and then sharing them via a group text, or the shop group text that you started on the side without the one person in there, you wanna talk about toxic, you wanna talk about poison. That is, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, like the ancient Toltecs, they literally said it was poison in their culture, and that's a book, Four Agreements, you can read by Don Miguel Ruiz, but one of the four agreements is be impeccable with your word. So I, I wanna stress that because I think we cause each other a lot of pain, a lot of stress, a lot of unnecessary fucking friction in our lives by being loudmouth fucking gossips. And if somebody else wants to know something, guess what somebody else will do? They'll tell them. Or they'll be like, hey, Jay, you are authorized to share this with other people, right? But that doesn't mean, oh, shit, y'all. Guess what Jay going through? Oh, shit. Like, just because you want, like, is your life that fucking boring to where you got to talk about Jay in a negative sense, right? Now, if you say, hey, Jay's going through some stuff. We need to be there for her or him. Great. That's fair. I'm not saying don't do that. But what I'm saying is when you come back to everybody and be like, hey, y'all, I got some scoop. I got the tea. I got the whatever. And, and that seclusion and that division, and it's just toxic. And literally, the Toltec said it was poison. It's kind of how you, I feel like when you know somebody's a gossip or you know somebody that um, they'll like talk to other people about stuff, you don't trust them. Right. You don't. Because if they're telling you them. about somebody else, guess what they're going to do about you? Yeah, they're going to talk shit on you too. So yeah. know that. <laughs> so, like, that's kind of. That's how I gauge um, who I talk to about what is like. I I know this person isn't. If I tell them, if I tell them not to like say shit about um, about this, they won't. Um, so I can go to them, but I have to tell them, hey, don't talk about this. But there's some people where it's like you can talk about, you can say anything to them, and they won't say anything to anybody. And there's some people where it's like you can say anything to them and they'll go right next to the person and the other side of the wall is like, hey, that, 
this world is hers, they'll turn around immediately and start talking about it. So just knowing people yeah. and knowing who's trustworthy, it's like, um, I know we've all been in that situation where people are gossiping or talking about something that they heard. And um, I mean, it can be, it has benefits if you're interested in getting the dish on other people, but you also can't trust that information. You can't. And that, yeah, there's there's I some type of, what was that telephone game we used to play in elementary school where it's like you say the message and like they may have even passed on the word they thought they got, but that wasn't even the right thing. And then they accidentally or unknowingly mm -hmm. passed it on wrong as it went down the line. But I, I, I think that we can all be human enough and I wish we could all just follow the golden rule. And I'm, I, I'm not perfect. So please know that I'm a piece of shit. And if y'all knew my worst times in life, you probably wouldn't like me either, like many other people don't. So I'm not trying to say that. But I do think there's so much value if we could treat people how we want to be treated. If we could treat people how you want to be treated, just put yourself in a position. If you shared something intimate or something you're ashamed of or something dark with someone, would you want them to go tell other people? Well, that's how it is. And, and one of the things I've learned over the years, um, when people do tell me certain things or they open up to me, I've just told them thank you. Like, thank you for trusting me because I realize how, man, how vital and how important it is to be trusted. And I'm going to be honest, I haven't always done the best things with people's trust in my life. I'm, I'm not, I'm a work in progress and I haven't always been perfect. But now I'm in a, in a place in my late 30s to say, hey, I appreciate that you shared that with me and I'm, I'm here for you, but it stays here. Yeah, like, it stays here. Unless I know there's going to be, like, harm to others or harm to yourself, then I might try to intervene and try to help out. Or if you told me you just raped somebody or something crazy, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be there for you in the same way because you hurt somebody. But with all things that don't fall under the catastrophic side of things, I'm not going to spit in your business around because you trusted me with that. And I wouldn't want somebody to do that shit to me because that's fucked up. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, sometimes you might not have somebody in your life, like you said earlier, your sister or your best friend. Hey, that's okay, but I'll be honest with you. And, and where we're at in Iwakuni... You could talk to it. I'm black. There's some wise people here, and they, they're all different genders, all different backgrounds, so it's, you might somebody, find somebody that identifies with you. Um, there's behavioral health over at the community counseling program. You can talk to those people. You can go all the way to the point of getting over to the branch health clinic and talking to the mental health specialist and talking to the psychiatrist and, and Doc Fernandez. Awesome human, awesome human. Um, there's a lot of good people that have good intentions, but as well-intended as they are, guess what? They're not mind readers. So help them help you if it gets to that point. But you may not want to share it with your best friend. You may not want to share it with your sister. But there is chaplains that you can go talk to, and you can tell them anything. You can literally tell them you want to go, like, blow some shit up, and they are not going to tell anybody because they have full confidentiality. And I reiterate that for anybody who may be listening because those may be resources at your disposal that you're not fully using. And sometimes just as we were talking about with writing, sometimes just saying something to someone can be all you need. And it may just be that, but it might not be that one time. So I say anybody that seeks a counseling session or a therapy session, don't just go one time. That might be just like, you know, if we only watch the first round of fights, unless we're watching Tyson in the 80s, it's going to be boring as shit, right? Because there's more rounds to the fight. There's more things. So you can't get strong off of one workout, nor can you get healthy off of one meal that you eat, um, nor can you get smart off of one book, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You have to sustain and maintain. So I say that in the sense of counseling and therapy. Don't just go one time and be like, this shit ain't for me. Fuck that, right? That might have been the right counselor for you. You, you, you having that first round. You can see first rounds of fights. They're just kind of throwing some jabs, kind of getting a feel for stuff. Again, unless it's Tyson in the 80s, there'll be a first round knockout for sure. But um, give, it, give it a little bit more is what I'm saying. 
Um, and that's for anybody who either has people to open up to and doesn't want to open up about these certain things, or people just don't know what they don't know and they don't know how to open up, or they don't have someone to open up to. There are people at your disposal that are there for you. And if you know me, if you're in earshot of me, I'll try to be there for you, or I'll try to find somebody who can be. Um, I, I give you my word on that. I'm not a smart man, but I'll try to help you out. I know if you know Jay, she'll try to help you out too, because we don't want to see anybody just suffering, just hurting for no reason, because suffering in itself is meaningless. But to grow, you kind of got to suffer too. So there's there's some growth there as well. So I'm not trying to get on a, um, on a power hour on there, but I do want to just say that to anybody who feels like they might not have that particular relationship with somebody else. Um, be a friend to get a friend, but also don't be afraid to reach out to some of the resources that are available. And if any of them I said weren't clear, hit me up on the side. You know how to get in touch with me. Um, I'll try to fill you in because it's okay not to be okay, but what's not okay and I'm going to recite this until the day I die because I was so proud of General Neller of the Marine Corps when he said this, is that what's not okay is to ignore your mental health to the point and your wellness to the point where you make an irreversible decision that leaves behind people. And the sad part about it is, folks, is that people that make a rash decision as far as death by suicide or even mass shooters and stuff like that, at the moment when they do these things, they don't think it's a bad idea, right? They just don't think it's a bad idea. In their mind, in that moment, they think that's a good idea. That's why they did it, right? But I've also talked to people who have had suicide attempts where as soon as they've done the act, they go, oh, shit, what the fuck did I just do? And everything just got real, right? And they regretted every bit of it. So before somebody gets to the point where they think that bad decision is a good decision, let's get them the help they need, or let's be the help they need. Let's be the help they need. Let's be there for somebody. And if they trust you, don't shit on their trust value it and if they want somebody else to know guess what they'll do they'll fucking tell them themselves stop being a gossip and stop being a little fucking child about shit don't treat people like they're in fucking middle school treat them like they're adults and they're fellow human beings and you want to be good to them right and i hope middle school kids are listening to, if they are listening to this i hope y'all are being good to people too because y'all are ruining people's lives by fucking taking it to group texts and posting people's business somewhere else it's fucked up it's not right and you wouldn't want it done to you so treat people how you want to be treated i see you looking at your notes i'm gonna shut the fuck up for a second and let you take the lead here's miss jet y'all <laughs> I mean, going off of that, some of the things you're talking about, it's like one thing is like, don't say anything that you wouldn't say in front of the person you're talking about. Ooh. And like, just a good rule of thumb is like, I don't know, I guess it might either be confidence or um, being um, just a good person is like, I wouldn't say this to their face. I wouldn't say this in front of them or around them, so why would I say it to somebody else? How about that? Hmm. Another thing you said about like um, counseling and like one and done, it's I don't think there's really not many things in life that you can just do once and everything's good again. Please, please say that. Please, like a special announcement from Jay. Everybody, can can we hear Jay again? Thank you for saying that. Please, please. There's really no nothing in life that's just a one and done you everything seems to be more about a process um like in shots you get a series of shots and there's um like training you have to go through like training for a while to get good at something or to learn something it takes time everything takes time that's what we have um and time never stops it it's always Man. going forward. Never stops. Never stops. So time yeah. don't stop. That's not grammatically correct, but that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, everything takes time. So um, it it's that's how like scientists and like 
experiments, a lot of them include the variable of time, and it's a study of something over time. So that's something with like counseling and therapy is like you're studying yourself over time in all these different situations that take place throughout like months and years. And it's, I mean, that's the best kind of human experiment, I think. <laughs> it is, but we were talking about a second ago when I was shitty on setting up this stuff, I was like, I don't want to, you know, waste your time because it's the most valuable resource we have. It's the most valuable resource we have. Like I, in modern science and modern medical uh, technology, I can probably give you an organ or a body part and you can give it back. I can definitely loan you money and you can pay it back. I don't know how much I got to loan, but I'm saying though, you know what I mean? Hypothetically, right? But once you give me your time or I give you my time, we can never, ever, ever, ever get that shit back. Like. And that's the one thing we're all racing up against is like that clock, that memento mori, you will die. We all have an expiration date. Some of us know it, and some of us are gonna find, find out. <laughs> it could be me today, I don't know. But, but while we're here, you know, use that time to the best. But it is, out of any experiment, the experiment of life, time is such a fucking vital, important, precious, and most valuable, most valuable resource and variable that we have in our world. I think we fail that a lot of times it's actually that some of the stoics talking about them they say that we'll you know we'll let people take our property we'll let people we or we, we protect our property we protect our stuff like you know you got your bag in the airport you're like get the fuck away from my bag that's my bag you know what i'm saying like where's my bag where's my bag but they, they kind of argue like we don't do that with our time we let everybody take it we let everybody take it and we give it like it's nothing but that actually Fucking possessions. That's the most valuable thing there is. So it's just just jumping off of your point because I think it's so important. Yeah. It's I think there's a lot of comfort in time not stopping. That's something you depend I you can depend on. It's like time's gonna keep moving and things are going to change. That's something I tell myself often is that like things will change. It will. Time will keep going. Like I imagine it like Standing on one of those like moving sidewalks at like the airport. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Conveyor belt or something is like we're all standing on one of those. And like I was saying earlier, is like I keep this idea of like keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. So like I have to keep walking forward, and um, it helps me move faster on the like time, I guess. But um, when you think about it, it's like even if I get to a point where I like have to stop. Time is still moving, so I'm still moving forward, and like the world is still turning, and things will still change. So, even if you're not doing anything to like change the situation, time will move, and like the universe, I don't know, time will change your situation, better or worse. I don't know, but right, right, right. No, it's it's so valuable. Um, I, I like this Lincoln during Civil War. You know, it probably wasn't the best place to be in, uh, and obviously a lot of people hated him, so he's loved now, but. People hated him to the point where they literally fucking killed him. So leadership isn't always popular in what you're doing at the time, right? Um, I often quote Martin Luther King, but to, to our point that we were talking about earlier, one of the quotes that stands out to me the most is that he says, the ultimate measure of a man or a woman is not where they stand at moments of comfort and convenience, but where they stand at times of challenge and controversy. That friction, that's when we find out who we are. But in saying that at the same time, one of the things that Lincoln would say during the Civil War and many people have said this all throughout history, is this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Now there's two ways of looking at that. There's two ways of looking at that. And the good, that if you're having a good moment, be grateful. 
enjoy that good moment. Maybe not getting all crazy ecstatically high, but no, not to be negative, but part of the darkness of life, part of the yin and yang is this is going to pass. This is going to be gone soon. Now, be grateful for it and enjoy the moment. But it's going to pass. On the flip side, something is negative and shitty and garbage. Even as something as extreme as being locked up in a prison for years upon years. Look at Nelson Mandela. He eventually became the president, right, after he was released. But that took a long fucking time to get there. But this too shall pass. And I'm actually looking at a quote that I wanted to share with everybody because one of the things that I do to kind of draw contrast, this sounds sick and dark and demented, and I mean no disrespect by it, but in my darkest moments sometimes, I have watched the videos of the jumpers from 9-11. Because for me, I wonder, what the fuck, obviously, how bad was it? None of us will ever really know. We have an idea, right? Um, but what, how horrible can your situation be to where the best option you have is to jump out of a window of a, one of the Twin Towers? But how many people did it? just out of that hope that there was something there to catch them. And it, it kind of gets me a little emotional because I think about in the worst situations, my situation isn't that. And how bad was it? And just you're watching people meet their demise. And I mean, it was disgusting on the ground. Like people, it was just, it's disgusting. And I, and I, I wish nothing but strength and, and peace for all those who were lost on that day and all the ones who lost in the years after from the events that ensued. But in that moment, they just went to work that day, man. Like, they didn't fucking do nothing wrong to nobody. They mean, they weren't perfect people. So what makes us so special that we wouldn't be them? And is my situation that fucking bad? Like, I, I don't think so, right? And it sounds dark, and, I'm, and I don't say that to because comparison is a thief of joy, but I also feel like contrasting can also make you be grateful, right? And then also recognize the sacrifices of others and all the things that ensue with that. Freedom's not free. People want to kill us all the time, so we need to be grateful for those who don't, right? And to be grateful for moments of peace. You know, pray for peace, be ready for war kind of thing. But Dr. Edith Eager, Dr. Edith Eva Eager, right? She didn't earn her doctorates until she was in her 50s, right? To be a doctor, right? And somebody said to her she was studying to be a doctor and talking about time. This is what triggered this whole thing for me to bring this up. Is that one of the, her mentors was like, she was talking to him, it's like, ah, she said, well, because she was a counselor and she was working with veterans and, and people with PTSD and different things. And he said, well, you should go get your doctor. She said, yeah, but I'm, I'll be 50 by the time I get that. And you know what the guy said to her? You're going to be 50 anyways. You might as well be a doctor. And, and I mean, that, I don't know why that's so simple, but she said it blew her mind. And she's a profound doctor. But you know who else she is? She's a survivor of the Holocaust and Auschwitz. And she lost her entire family, except for uh, her sisters to the Holocaust. Her parents were murdered, her parents were killed. And somehow she came out on the other end. And to me, she's the definition of a living example. She's still alive right now in Southern California. And sometimes you can look her up. She does interviews and she'll do speak, speaking engagements. Um, she, has, she even has a TED Talk. Uh, she has a book called The Gift and a book called The Choice. But Dr. Edith Eva Eager is one of my biggest heroes. I mean. She's superwoman to me, for real. Like, she really is, and the things she's been through. But one of the quotes she said in one of her books was that suffering is universal, but victimhood is optional. Suffering is universal, but victimhood is optional. And that, and so, and with the victims of 9-11 and, and those who were lost, those types of drawing, those types of contrast um, to my particular situation, it really is like, I don't know what, how to say it, but it just, 
it, it makes me realize that, okay, there's been worse times, you know? I remember Aziz Ansari said recently in a, a stand-up special, I'm not stealing the shit, I just gave full credit, but he was like, you know, people are like looking at everything in America right now, and they're going, ah, oh, the shit's really hit the fan. And he goes, he sits back, and it's so perfect the way he did it, comedic genius. He goes, but if you look at the American fan, it's never really been a shitless fan. <laughs> <laughs> We've kind of always been on the brink of, oh my God, what the fuck is going on, right? Think of 1968, think of 1861. There's been some other times too. Slavery, lack of rights, lack of freedoms. Like We've had some shitty times, right? But there's never really been or never will there be a shitless fan in life. It is just how can we do what you said when we open this up? Keep moving through it, keep moving forward. But if you don't get a chance, man, look up Dr. Edith Eva Eager on YouTube, on she's on many podcasts, um, but her books are amazing. Changed my whole life, man. And the same thing with Dr. Victor Frankel, learning about what he went through and endured the Holocaust. Um, it's something. So I just wanted to drop that as a plug for anybody out there searching for a little bit of appreciation for their world. Read that shit and draw draw some contrast and go, okay, 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 this too shall. But even in their moments, losing her family, all that kind of shit, being almost sexually assaulted by the the man who fucking killed her family and the debt the fucking Anyway, you read the book, you'll read about it, you'll see, right? She's still here. She has a beautiful family. She's moved forward. And what happened then did pass, right? So time, 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 this too shall pass. Be grateful or just be patient and, and be graceful because it's going to pass regardless. So, all right, I'm going to shut the fuck up now. <laughs> I love that. There's a lot of great comments and information. And just I love what you were talking about with, like, time passing and um, – Something else that you were talking about is um, you've mentioned a couple of times about comparison being like a thief of joy, and um, there I, I believe that there's also different ways to compare. Like, For sure. So, For sure. like, what you're saying about um, comparing, it's like seeing different situations. Like, it doesn't have to be a comparison of like better or worse. It can True. just be a comparison of different. Different. Like oh, for sure. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good way of putting it. Thank you for cleaning that up because everybody's like, he's the afro and a hypocrite, and he don't make no goddamn sense. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you know what we're saying by the comparison. We're we're talking about, and even the commandant had talked about this in the mental wellness letter of of trying to society has a hard time explaining what the fuck is going on with mental wellness right now. And he was saying this four or five years ago when our suicide rates had jumped to the 50s in, uh, for the Marine Corps specifically. And now we're in the 60s for last year. And that's, that's horrible, that's tragic. How can we fix this shit? But he said the experts are having a hard time. Maybe it's this, maybe it's our lack of faith in, the, in society. Maybe it's our lack of family, the, the traditional family. He don't know, he's not claiming any of those things. Maybe it's that we're over inundated, and this is where I'm getting to the point of the comparison is deep with joy. He says we're over inundated with the highlight reel of everyone else. And when I real, I mean R-E-E-L. Romeo, Echo, Echo, Lima. Real in that way. Not real as in what the fuck is really happening as in R-E-A-L, but highlight real. People show you what they want to show you and you go on social media and you go, oh fuck, I'm not that happy. Oh fuck, I don't look that good. Well, I don't look that good either, but I didn't put eight fucking filters on my picture either. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, like there's... That can be a thief of joy in that sense of comparing. Like, oh, I'll never be as pretty as this person. I'll never be as good as this person. Fuck that. Be the best you. And that's why I love Kevin O'Hara. Shout out to Habits V2. Um, awesome. Man, you probably saved my life, man. I love you and I appreciate you, man. You and S, y'all do amazing work. But if anybody's out there looking for anything, a good source of motivation to stay sober, stay good. But the, And the best thing he talks about, Dr. Uh, Dr. He should be, though. Kevin O'Hara talks about is being the best version of yourself. That's what it's all about. 
being the best version of yourself on Habits V2. And that's what you need to look at, is being the best version of you. But on the same note, some people go, well, hey, man, you're just right-clicking it for a synonym. But to compare and contrast, right, to contrast with what I just talked about, about Dr. Eager and the 9-11 jumpers and some of these other situations or those dark moments that other people are going through, you can draw appreciation and gratitude for your particular situation right now. Because there's an old saying in ancient times, I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing, but basically if we all took our shit, our problems, and we all walked into the center of this thing of a basketball court, the center court, and we all put them there in like a Mount Sarabachi type pile, by the end of it, all of us would be our shit back, is what they say. Because everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about. So I'm not saying be grateful and say, oh, this is great that I'm going through this shitty time. No, not saying that at all. But it may not be as bad as you're making out to be. Or like you said, what's that thing you say you do when you feel like it's all falling apart? Like, what is Catastrophizing. that? Catastrophizing. Catastrophizing. And then you sit back and you go, ah, this isn't the end of the world. I was just UA from my class. <laughs> yeah. So it might not be as bad as it feels. Um, and, and, and if that's getting to the extremes, I remember when I got diagnosed with anxiety, I told the doctor, I said, he's like, so how do you feel on the regular? And he, I said, so you ever feel like you're late for work? I said, I feel like that all day long. <laughs> he's like, oh, shit. I was like, I have that feeling like I'm wrong or I did something and like I'm late for something all day long. So I'm not saying that there's not a, you can't just think your way out of some shit. You may need some help. Don't be afraid to do that. But don't say there's no way out when you haven't tried all the means that are available to you or haven't reached out to anybody to try to find out what those things could be to help you. So mm -hmm. sometimes that's how you don't catastrophize. Sometimes that's how you take that step back is by stepping back and reaching out for help. But we are inundated by other people's highlight reels. And I think that that's the context of what I mean by the comparison is a thief of joy. Does that make sense? I just wanted, yes. to, I wanted to make sure people understood. I'm not trying to be a hypocrite, but comparison and contrast to me are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay. All so right, so we're cool now? Yeah, we're All cool. Right. <laughs> no problems. It's just, that was something, um, I don't know, I, like, I latched on to an idea and then my it. mind. No, it's no, it's good. It's good. You're right. Because I'm really saying comparison in both ways. But like you yeah. said, there's, there's ways there's to say. There's ways. Some people compare in better and worse, and some people probably shouldn't. And maybe just compare in different. It's like, oh, you think that? Oh, I think that. That's it. You mean we, we don't have to start a revolution now because we think differently? No. Oh, we could just, like, be humans and disagree, right? Yeah. How about that, folks? How about that, folks, all of us on both sides of the pendulum? Y'all know what I'm talking about. This is not it. This is not it. This is not American, what we're going through right now. And I'll say that as a, as a citizen, that we can agree to disagree with each other, have different opinions, and it still be okay. It's, it's okay. We don't have to hate each other because we look... You, you like blue, I like red. It's okay. You know, I don't, I'll never understand, like Joe Rogan said, why people like yellow cars. I don't get it. They're not my thing. But if I know some really cool people that have a yellow car, and they're nice people, right? I don't know why the fuck. I think it's ugly, right? I'll never get it. But some people just like what they like or feel the way they do, and that's okay. That doesn't mean I have to hate them because they drive a yellow car. He said it, not me, but I'm, I'm doing what I do when I'm regurgitating shit. So. <laughs> you got something else in your notes you want to put yeah, down? Yeah. Um, I'm so in that, like, I don't know, in that video I watched it. So there's been, like, research done on resilience and... Um, some of the things they say is that anyone can be resilient. Like, they didn't find any study that showed, like, um, this ethnic or this age or this, um, gender. There wasn't any trends on who could be resilient. Anybody can be resilient. So, I mean, that's kind of a positive idea to have. It's like, 
I can be resilient. It doesn't matter who I am. I can be resilient um, just by um, figuring out what makes me resilient, I guess. is figuring out what works for you and what helps you keep going through the tough times. So that was something. Um, and then they also talked about trust and um, their studies were kind of more based on workplace mm -hmm. resiliency and they found that if they're in a team that they trust they are more resilient so that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier um, having somebody you can trust and knowing who you can trust so something as simple as the environment in which you work in so let's say your shop your division your squad whatever it is you work in if you don't feel like you can trust those individuals that can impact your own personal resilience yes y'all heard that y'all heard that so it, it takes a village, one team, one fight. But if we're in a toxic environment where people are gossiping or you just don't feel right, right, like that doesn't feel good and people aren't being good to each other, that group effect can have a personal effect. On, I didn't, that's, that's deep. That's deep. There's something to keep in mind, too, about the environment we're setting for ourselves and in our work environments and, and just our life, right? Your house, your home. If everybody else sucks and it's a toxic environment, that might have a problem with that. It could. It shouldn't, right? It shouldn't, but because it's personal resilience, but it's still having an effect is what the study shows. It might shows. just be that like, work is so a big part of our life that um, your resilience through the work day, it, like it affects your person. Like you, your person, like you can compartmentalize different parts of your life, but you're still the same person in all those different parts. Yes. So there is overlap, even if you're really good at compartmentalizing. Yeah, I mean, there's a time and a place for everything, right? And there's a time to be at work, and there's a time to be at home. But uh, come on, folks. Like, there's no way we can literally say that they're all fully separated. There's a time to be at work and make work the big priority, and there's a time to be at home and make home the bright priority. But we're still human beings, and we still have our lives, and our lives are so complex and interly woven. I don't think you really can compartmentalize successfully. There's a time and a place for stuff, and you can either choose to overthink certain things at other times. But if it's stressful at home... It's going to be hard, shitty for you at work. And if it's really stressful at work, you might not be the best you at home. It's just, we're humans. It's just the way it is. I'm glad it does have an effect because that means we're not sociopaths, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if they're saying that, like, um, if you don't, like, if your environment at work isn't ideal, it, it affects your personal resilience. But it, I don't know. How it would I don't know what else there is but your own resilience I guess so yeah I kind of I don't know if that answers your question I didn't want to dodge it necessarily no but no no I think it's good it's your perspective on yeah, it yeah no, it's, it's yeah everybody has resilience and the people you're around does kind of affect that in a way yeah. if you I mean I guess you don't have to let it but then you're not connecting with people yeah. And you need people sometimes to. Yeah, we all need people. I don't care if you're one of those people that like me time and introvert and stuff like that. I am an extrovert by nature, and I enjoy the company of others. Um, I have a lot of brothers and sisters, and I love all of you, and I come from a big family. Big, fucked up, fun family. But as we say in our family, we put the fun and dysfunctional, so what's up? Um, we all say it, so don't be acting like I'm the only one that said it, y'all. If y'all hear this, but... Uh, we need people is what I'm getting at. We need people. We need that sense of community. You might just be the quiet person in the community. That's fine. Or you like your me time, but you need to know that you matter. And I want to tell all of you out there, man, you matter. And I swear to you, you're not alone. If you hear my voice right now, I'm telling you you're not alone and try me on it. Hit me up. 
I might not know the answer. Jay might not know the answer. But there are people out here that want to help you. You don't have to weather it all by yourself. People need people. No matter if you're a people person or not, people need people. If not, you'll be like Tom Hanks and playing with that ball on that Wonder movie. He had that ball. He had the volleyball. Wilson or whatever. You go crazy is what I'm saying. You go crazy and start having – you'll find a person to be Wilson, the volleyball. If you know, you know. But we need people uh, in our lives and, you know, they may not always be the best kind of people or the people you like. Well, change that up. Find different people. Be careful with the people. Be careful with the company you keep. I'm not saying to be snobby or act like you're better than anybody, but are these people making you better or worse? Filter that and then go from there. Like, you know, you know what's good for you and what's not good for you. You know, you're not a fool. You're not an idiot. There's nothing like that. You have emotional intelligence to know this is not probably good for me. I probably need to get out of the situation. So fucking do it, right? And go be a light somewhere else. And Something that hit me recently with talking about resilience and stuff is maybe we only go through things, through suffering, through hard times, only to be able to share it with someone else one day um, and to be valid in sharing it and to have a genuine care and concern for others. Um, I feel like I would not be me without some of the struggles that I've had. And that doesn't mean I'm like trying to brag about them or use them as like any kind of pandering or feel sorry for me. Hell, nah, go feel sorry for someone else. I don't want your fucking sympathy, right? I'll figure it out. But what I am saying is that I would not be me without those challenges. I would not be, I would not have the, I just wouldn't be me. And and I and I try to now take some of the messes that I made and uh, maybe messes that were put on me, whatever. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. I'm gonna keep moving forward and use them as a message to help someone else as best I can. And there really is, you garner a sense of purpose when you can go external and you can share it with somebody else. If you don't believe me, try it. You can do that in volunteer work. You can do that in new sports coaching. You can do that just by going around and just – there's a little thing on, on Iwakuni. Um, CJ talked about a few weeks ago that there's a uh, Facebook page. We'll share it. Uh, if you want to know what it is, hit me up. But the, on Iwakuni to where, like, active duty members can go and walk people's dogs and take care of their animals for a little bit. And it's called like, Iwakuni Barks or something like that. But some people just need that. Like, you just need that animal. You need something. But it's, again, outside of yourself. I think sometimes with old people when they have animals – my pop is crazy as hell. If he hears this, he knows who he is. He knows he's crazy, right? But this fool had some, some stray cat, had some kittens recently, and he is like a new daddy. And he's taking care of stray cat kittens, but it's giving him so much value, and he's a little off, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes that's all it is, so I'm thankful for the, the, those, those kittens. But sometimes we just need that animal, that person, something else outside of ourselves to, to pour into, and it can fill you up too. Um, you got to take care of yourself. You got to self-check. You got to check in. You got to make sure your cup is full. Um, but... Pouring into others can be fulfilling. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, I mean, everybody's different, so what we need to do is figure out what is valuable and hold on to those things, and the things that aren't valuable, just get rid of them. So don't let that devalue you. Hold on to the things that make you better and figure out the things that help you be stronger and um, so that's what you're talking about like with value and um, it's all it's all always about like benefit and figuring out what benefits you trying not to be overly self-destructive I guess well, we can be for sure I know I have been I know I have been um, I find a lot of times in our culture for some of the young ones, like the only outlet they have is to go drink. And, you know, that can have its time and place. I'm not a prohibitionist, but at the same time, if you are always drunk and that's the only 
thing you seek out is to escape your, you know, your mental stress or your, your heart stress by changing your physical means and makeup by literally retarding yourself through alcohol. You're never really going through that situation and you're never really growing or learning how to cope and grow as a human. And you're also picking up a really bad uh, dependency potentially in your life to where now for you just to feel what you would call normal, to feel at your baseline, you have to be fucked up to be there. And mm -hmm. then it's just a downward, downward, downward spiral, cognitive decline, dependency, saying things you regret, doing things you regret. People go, how do I know I got an alcohol problem? When alcohol starts causing fucking problems. Mm -hmm. The day you wake up and you have to apologize for some shit you did, and I've done it many a times, and feel fucking stupid and hate yourself and say, I'm never drinking again, that may be a real good reason not to ever, not to fuck with that again. And if you're one of those people like, well, I could just socially drink. Well, good for you. I can't. So they just call me Pringle Cam Cam. Once I pop, I just don't stop. I, I'm going to show you all how to run. I'm going to show you how to do a podcast. I'm going to show you how to care about people. And guess what? If we're going to drink, I'm going to show you how to drink, right? That's just me. Uh, I'm, I'm too much, right? Um, I'm all or nothing. I'm excessive. But it, you, can, you can take your makeup or your approach to things, and you can use it as a, as a strength and hopefully a benefit to others. So the same reason why I love coaching and I love doing this and I love doing the open mics is the same thing that compelled me to turn a garage into a bar, you know, and just get fucked up all the time. Like, it's, I get it. It's just how you use it and, and accepting and knowing yourself. But like you said, if it's destructive, cut that shit out. If that person is destructive for you, cut that shit out. Because as Justin said a few episodes ago, you can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. That's fucking insanity. Einstein said it, I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much what it is. I can't be like, I just want to be happy and everything to be better and not change shit. There's no change in the variables. Well, what are you going to get? Mm -hmm. Same fucking thing right there. Yeah. So um, I know we got to get to work because we're doing this off of working hours. Um, and, I'm, and I just I just want to tell you, thank you. I've said it. I'll say it again. Time is the most precious resource we have. Um, I'm just grateful for you. I'm grateful for your service that you give to the cause and the light that you bring. And you might be talking about you have darkness, but I'm going to tell you right now, personally, you bring a whole lot of light and you give me a whole lot of hope. Um, and, and there's a lot of stereotypes on the younger generation not being strong or, or being weak or being soft that's bullshit that's bullshit that's bullshit we only know what we know and we are living in maybe not as hard times but to say that every young person today that's serving in the armed forces or every young person today is soft or weak or weaker than you guess what they said that about you too right the, the generation before us don't be trying to act all special like these kids with their video games and xboxes you had a playstation shut up you had a nintendo 64 or you had a super nintendo or you had an atari so shut up like, stop, stop being the old person who's like, get off my grass and this kid's music these days suck. I will say a lot of the music today does suck, but there are the J. Coles of the world on the weekends, and there's some other great artists out there, too. But you are strong, and you are resilient, and I just appreciate the light that you bring. Even though you love the darkness so much, there's a light coming from you, and, and uh, I'm kidding. But I'm, I'm being dead serious. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Keep being strong. And, and I just thank you for your time and sharing your lessons with us. I just want to also apologize if any of my ideas didn't come out the way that I think about them so like it's always taking what's inside and bringing it out is the translation there is always very difficult to express Hell so yeah. if there's any like ideas that don't make sense this is just how it is I guess this is how it is. <laughs> we're complicated we're complicated apes I'm not saying yep. you're an ape I'm saying I am you know what I'm saying <laughs> but it's just it's complex it's complicated it's very complicated, and everything's about like balance and t dichotomy, and there's always uh, two sides to a coin, and sometimes you have to figure out a way to look at both sides at the same time. 
That's for sure. It's true. And and something even like, what's that third side at? I gotta look at the edges. Oh, look at this, those little lines right there. You know, this is a message right there. Hey, that's just that's how complex life can be. Um, and we're all just trying to navigate it the best we can. And and the thing we want to profess and show to y'all is you're not alone. You are not alone. Please reach out. Please be there for each other. Uh, like it or not, <laughs> we are all we got. Like it or not, we are all we got. Uh, that's out here in Iwakuni, out here in Japan, for us Americans that are out here, and for our Japanese and brothers and sisters, anybody else that's out here with us. Like it or not, we're all we got. Tomo ni, we're in this together. But I hope that same applies to where you're at. And it makes me think about, um, I quoted her yesterday, but Mother Teresa. Say what you want about her, but she helped a lot of people too, right? Um, but one thing she said that I think is good is she said that if you want to promote world peace, go home and love your family. Your family may come in the traditional form of wife, husband, children, stuff like that, mother, father, but your family could also just be the ones that you're stationed with, the ones that you're living with, your friends at college, wherever it is. Whatever your sphere of influence is, I would argue that's your family because we don't pick our family, we just get them. So think about that situation. But if you want the world to be a better place, try your best to love them. But if they are infectious and they are bringing you down and bringing down your family, maybe they need to go. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they need to go and do some self-work somewhere else without bringing everybody else down. Again, these things are so complex. They're so complicated. But um, we're here together to work through them um, and, and to get through it. And that's resilience. It ain't about how you hit. It's about how you can get hit and keep moving forward. And I'm going to tell you something you already know. The world's not all sunshine and rainbows. You said it. You said it. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's a mean, nasty place. And it'll beat you to your knees and keep you there if you let it. Why do I know all of that? I'm fucking, there's something wrong. There's <laughs> something wrong with me. I swear I didn't mean to do that. But I do want to close on the words of a great American, a great sacrificer for civil rights. Um, again, you can disagree or agree with him, but I want y'all to think about this real quick, especially in our times that we're living in with the fan, with the shit hitting the fan. The shit's never not hit the fan. Never been a shitless fan. But he said, um, this is from the Honorable Mr. John Lewis. Rest in peace. He said, be kind, be hopeful, be optimistic. Never get down. It's all going to be okay. It's all going to be all right. We're one people. We're one family. We all live in the same house. Not just the American house, but the world house. I wish you well. And we, my friends, wish you well. And whatever you're going through, just know this too shall pass. Now y'all get to listen to Monchichi Rex. This too shall pass. Jay, thank you for being here. You got anything to close them with, man? Just keep moving forward. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. This too shall pass. Thanks, Uncle Rex, for this track. Monchichi Rex, check it out. Second Wins. That's the name of the song he already had made. That's Resilience All right there, right there. Hey, hope y'all listening and enjoying it. And if you ever want to be a guest, hit me up. Like it or not, we all we got. This too shall pass. We are sponsored by nobody. <laughs>